0: Welcome to the Bridgetown Church Podcast. From September 15th to October 15th, we are honoring Hispanic Heritage Month. Each week, members of our church family will be sharing stories that acknowledge and celebrate Latino and Latina history from their lived experiences to the world at large.
1: Hello, my name is Tiffany Flores. I co-chair the racial justice committee here at Bridgetown. We are in week three of our celebration of Hispanic Heritage Month or Latino Heritage Month. Our aim in these podcasts is to share the stories of those within the Bridgetown family who are Hispanic or Latino so that we who call Bridgetown home can be reminded of the diversity of experiences, cultures, and backgrounds that exist within our body. Our hope is that by being good listeners to one another, we can enter into a place of empathy. On that note, I have the honor of sitting down with Annie and Rommel Ruiz. The Ruiz family is from the Dominican Republic. They have two daughters. They moved here in 2005 and 2008, were married here um, in Pasadena, and uh, in 2020, moved to Oregon. Rommel, can you start us off and tell us a little bit about who you are?
0: I'm Rommel. Born in the Dominican Republic. Um, and then I, we met in um, actually the church um, back then. Um, both artists uh, went to design school. Um, uh, also, um, we met actually while we were practicing theater um, and that's what actually brought us here to the States to study uh, physical theater. Um, and yeah.
1: And what do you do now for work?
0: I'm a designer and illustrator, uh, mainly for animation.
1: Awesome. Annie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, Of course, yes. Um, I was born
2: in the Dominican Republic, and I am currently uh, doing homeschooling and a full-time
1: mom right now. So, Annie... Can you tell us a little bit about the transitions that um you experienced moving from the Dominican Republic and then to Oregon? What was that like for you?
2: Yes, um it was um it was a very um hard transition at the beginning. Uh, I came here uh, in 2005 as a student and I didn't really speak English. At least like Enough to uh, understand a conversation. I had to really ask many questions, and um, it was a lot of work. So at the beginning, it was hard to understand or to speak. So um, it was. It took me a long time to be able to adapt to the culture, and um, feel um, like I, um, I like I can be. Uh, I can belong. Mm. Um, after I. Um, while I was in school, uh Rommel and I got married and we started a family together and then um we were living in Pasadena at the time and we were able to um to get a work visa and and uh and stay here in the United States. Um we live in California till uh twenty twenty and we moved during the pandemic to Washington. And I've been since we had the kids in two thousand and uh thirteen. Uh, I've been home with them uh, as a full time mom, and Romo has been working. Uh, and we decided to homeschool, so we've been homeschooling all these years. And uh, we started visiting uh, Bridgetown in two thousand twenty
1: one, and we've been uh, coming here since. Awesome. What was that um, process like for you guys immigrating to the to the United States? Was it difficult? For me, it was difficult
2: um, because um, I couldn't speak well the English, and it was hard to understand. So, being able to feel like um, that you cannot communicate, and also that people are not like really open and willing to do the effort that it takes for to understand someone, is it was really hard. I honestly wanted to go home um, as soon as. Uh, A few months after I was here, but the program was like three years. So I know it was kind of a a long way. Um, It was really hard, but at the same time, um, it was an enriching experience for me. Because I needed to be exposed to that, to be able to actually learn a new language and being able to grow in that matter. And um, it has like his pros and cons, like it was hard, but at the same time, it was really good for me to be able to be uh, challenged
1: that way. Um, That's great, Annie. What were some of the differences that you experienced living in Pasadena versus living now here in Portland? Well,
2: Pasadena, California was a, our place where we actually were introduced to these culture, what it means to be living here. And at the beginning, it was hard, but at the same time, we had um, families in there that they actually welcomed us because as a student, uh, the place that we were, there were some families that actually welcomed us and they uh, helped us to, to kind of like get to know the, the area better. And we got married in Pasadena, California, so it became our home. California is known to be very diverse, so we were able to actually be with many other cultures, and that was actually great uh, about that. Um, over time, we just got used to the culture, and it became our home. As I said, uh, moving here though during the pandemic, it was it was great because we loved this place for na- for the nature and um, for uh, the the lifestyle is a more low low pace. Uh, but during the pandemic, uh, things were a little bit more different in when it comes to being able to know people and kind of enjoy the the culture the way it was. So it was challenging in the matter, especially when you are homeschooling and you're trying to, to find, you know, community and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I will say like adapting to a new place where you don't know a lot of people and um, it became pretty much like being in another culture in itself. Hmm. So the transition was a little hard because of the the pandemic made it a little harder, and more challenging for that. But coming to Rich Town, actually, it was it was um, it was a blessing because mm-hmm. it helped us to start knowing more people and uh, starting a community.
1: So it sounds like there was really two major transitions from the Dominican Republic to California, and then California to Oregon. Um, Rommel, let's switch over to you. What were those transitions like for you?
0: So for me, growing up in the Domin- Dominican Republic, um, it's, it's a very warm place to, to be, um, culturally speaking. We have our music, we have our, our, our colors. Um, I would say um, you also grow up thinking that the outside, is more interesting than the inside. Meaning, uh, we are an uh, we are an island. Um, we see everything from from there as big. Meaning, everything that is happening outside of the island as something that you really want to be part of, mm-hmm. and you almost um, dismiss um, what's happening right in front of you mm-hmm. uh, of your own culture. So. Growing up always i I was thinking of the things that I want to accomplish out there, not in here mm-hmm. in my culture um so I always in my head, I was pursuing things that oh you know I want to maybe work in the animation industry or work in so so what where where was that happening in Los Angeles mm-hmm. very far away mm-hmm. um So, yeah, for me, it was like when it finally happened, after many years of dreaming about it, of coming to the United States to do these big things that I was dreaming about, in that transition, um, what happened to me was I exchanged a lot of my culture for... These shiny things, these like because I wanted to fit in, I wanted to assimilate. I think in that exchange, I lost a lot of the nuances of what my culture was giving gave me or as mm-hmm. a gift. Um, and I think now thinking back, uh, I I see those things as uh, well, well, as like, whoa, th- those were God's gifts t- to us, you know, in, in, like something that now, has a different meaning that it had back then. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's moving from the DR to the United States. Um, A lot of years happened between that. So it was like 12 years being in Los Angeles, then moving to um, Portland area. Um, I would say... It was very different in the sense of the political landscape has changed a lot in those ten years. Mm. the The social issues have changed a lot. I have now I understand way more about what's happening. I understand more, way more, the backgrounds, what's going on. I didn't know uh, uh, starting in 2008 when I arrived to the United States. I didn't understand the the layers of, of uh, complexities, social complexities, uh, as I understand now. So after 2016, I think specifically, moving to Portland um, from Los Angeles during the pandemic, and on top of that, all the political, social, turmoil during that time it was really hard for me Mm -hmm. it was really hard um because now i understand that um there are disparities even in the church as we as christians we have diverse opinions about different issues Mm -hmm. so for me uh that transition was pretty hard even spiritually too I, I even think that I, I went through a, a brief moment of deconstruction where I was questioning faith, and I was questioning, not that it is bad, but I, I think during that time, transition-wise, it was pretty difficult.
1: Mm. And during that time and those transitions, um, you had mentioned that you had kind of traded uh, one culture for as aspects of one culture for another. Um, was there a moment where you kind of realized how much assimilation was taking place and, and what was your reaction and feeling to that assimilation taking place?
0: Yeah, I, I think um, coming from my culture, which is very warm, very friendly, um, very outgoing, um, sometimes I would try to approach people and like, very warmly and just welcoming, and sometimes I will feel this wall that tells me, "Slow down, dude. Like relax." Mm. So I think over time I have learned to take it slow and um, let the relationship breathe a little bit. Mm. Whereas back in the DR, you 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 you, you met a, a, a stranger, and you are Best friends the next day.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, So it's just a different code.
1: What a great example of the pressure to assimilate, where it's not just wanting to fit in, but not wanting to be considered weird or like uh, aggressive, just because you come from a culture that's warm and friendly. And, you know, like you said, you could just be friends next day. And that's not something that's typically experienced very much here. Annie, I want to direct this next question at you, um, kind of having to do with the assimilation that uh, Rommel was talking about. Um, you had said that your experience coming to Bridgetown was really helpful and that that really helped the transition. Um, and I think a common thing that has come up several times in um these podcasts where we're highlighting the stories of people in our church is that the church is a place where people should feel seen for who they are and that they um, they can bring their full selves and their culture and their history and their experiences in because we aim to be like a family to one another. Um, we're one body and we're one family. Um. So my question is for you. Did you feel that when you uh, came to um, really any church in the United States, Bridgetown? I don't know if you went to a church in uh, California, but did you feel like you could bring your full self um, and that you were seen? I will say that... um I feel like I could have
2: uh, bring myself out and uh, being able to be myself uh, and share, but at the same time, I didn't really know how much I I, I can do. I can I can be, uh, like Roman was saying. Um, it was like somehow I wanted to be able to be very friendly and warm with people, but at the same time I was because I was learning a new culture and the language, I had uh limitations of what I'm able to say or or communicate to people, and also uh, learning what are the boundaries mm. um, in in this new new culture uh, so I guess I, over time when people when I was able to speak better the language. And um, I was able to understand jokes because I couldn't understand even that at the beginning. And um, I was able to uh, maybe adapt a little better or be more flexible on get how people actually are showing affection Mm -hmm. and um, what type of worm uh, it is in this culture. So I guess I I was able to be myself a little bit. but it took me a long time to be able to to find that, and it still is a struggle. It still is a struggle to to be able to to find that balance between who am I. I guess I'm talking about identity. Like uh, mm-hmm. like we in the in the assimilation and learning to live in, uh, in in a new culture, you um you get a little lost in your identity mm-hmm. because you can. No, be fully yourself. But at the same time, you need to be. You want to be accepted. You want to be able to be flexible, so you are also accepted. Um, or you, I need to accept other culture, so I need to also uh, morph or adapt and, and kind of exchange uh, mm. uh, characteristics of my own culture.
1: Yes. I love that idea of it being an exchange, not just a one-way, you know, the person who's of the minority culture is flexing and changing, but that um, for majority and minority cultures, there's an exchange that's happening. And I think that especially inside the church, we're all better for that exchange and just learning, you know, from warm cultures and Cult cultures and <laughs> just having a diverse amount of experiences, and uh, like you said, accepting people for who they are and being willing to be a part of that exchange.
0: On what you were saying about flexing uh, with uh, another culture, I have felt at times where that um, I do have to flex a lot mm. with. Um, brothers and sisters, to be able to have a relationship with them, where I have to really put down my cultural cues, or in order to be able to connect, mm. uh, which which even to to this day I think is worth it. I do think that it is worth a relationship to put down sometimes your cultural cues or boundaries mm-hmm. or wants or even desires. But I do feel at times that I have to do that a lot.
1: Yeah, that's a great perspective, Ramal. I'm curious, um, after being in relationship with people for longer periods of time, do you feel like ah, uh, there's a moment where now I can be my real self and not have to try to be so sensitive to these other social cues that are you know not yours and and flex like you said?
0: Yeah, I, I'm. Um, thankfully, I, I am in in a situation now where I think people are friends are understanding more the where we are as people in our mm-hmm. journey and can understand more of our background and can participate in that journey with us um, but still it's 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 a slow and and, and you know I, I don't even I don't want to complain it's not a complaint necessarily mm-hmm. it is more of a acceptance of the process of Merging your journey with others you know especially when you come from a different culture um so I think it's a struggle it's a it's a tension there um where um your desire of belonging and your desire of be uh, of of bringing home where you are bringing where you come from bringing a, a little piece of that Mm-hmm. into this journey, is it, it's, it can be pretty complex. Mm-hmm. I don't know yet how to do that. I don't know where, um, I don't know how to tailor that yet. I think it's maybe throughout conversations, a lot of com- conversations in community that, that can happen. But to, to this day, I still miss home. Um, and, and I struggle to bring it here and Mm -hmm. make it part of this journey here. And how can, how can that be, um, how can I bring those cues here Mm -hmm. to be a blessing and not just like my own desire of, oh, you know, I just want to be heard, but also how can that be part of this grand, um, design of people together.
1: Yeah. I think part of what I'm hearing from you is that in relationship you have felt uh the majority of the burden to connect by being more aware and flexible and and leaving part of yourself kind of behind or quiet or muted in order To connect with people is that right yep yeah that brings us right to the heart of why we are sharing stories of people um because i'm sure that there's people listening who maybe have never thought about that that for um a person who has immigrated from a very different culture and experience um that they're carrying a big Part of that burden to connect by muting some of themselves. And I think the hope is that through sharing stories, it creates empathy and it creates further understanding. So that, um, especially within, like I said, the body and the family of Christ, like we're not um, being exclusive and we're accepting people and being hospitable and bringing them into the fold. Um, without the expectation that they're going to act and uh, talk and, and be uh, a certain way or just accepting who they are.
2: In my experience as an immigrant and also becoming a mom here, uh, it has impacted a lot um, raising kids in this culture because um, we come from a different way of disciplines and um, even the way um, I was I was raised, it's different from what my, my daughters are experiencing right now. So at the time when we were living in California, we, were, we didn't have any friends who spoke Spanish. We were surrounded just by uh, English speakers. So that influenced a lot in the way I felt I should, like, um, raise my kids at the beginning. Um, so I was questioning, we were questioning about, should we just speak Spanish at home? Should they uh, learn the language? Um, Because I was concerned about when they go to church or when they are playing with their friends, they probably won't understand because I felt that way at the beginning when I moved here. I felt like I struggled so much for people to understand me and I didn't want my kids to go through that. So I made a choice of, or we made a choice of um, just speaking English from the beginning at home and that pretty much uh, um, exchanged the fact that my kids Probably at the beginning didn't speak in Spanish as their first language because I we didn't also them wanted them to have an accent. Mm. So even in that matter, I feel like it affected us um, or influenced uh, being an immigrant living here and my kids being the first generation in here. I didn't want them down the line to be discriminated just because they had an accent like we do or um, excluded. So that. When I look back, like nine, seven years ago, I will probably now, if I'm raising them now, they're little, uh, I will not make that choice because I feel now more welcome and it's okay. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, they still can learn this, the language and it's a lot of work, but not being surrounded by other people that speak the language also influence so much uh, how you raise your kids and they don't get to be exposed so much uh, uh, to, your, to your own culture So it actually takes a double effort to be able to even teach our kids to uh, understand our culture and to um, even uh, value our our culture. Mm -hmm. So it pretty much means that we have to take them back to our own culture to live there or to experience what it's like to be, in our case, Dominicans. Because they don't they don't get that from us as we have uh, really assimilated so much uh, this culture in ourselves. So it's 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 really it makes a difference really even raising kids um, how you you are accepted or not how you feel your identity in the, that culture because then that pretty much um, would uh, reflect on your kids and maybe they. As they grow, they don't want to speak your language because that's what nobody does—that just your parents. Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah, um, I think that is the experience of a lot of um, people here in the United States, and especially immigrants who feel like uh, they don't want the same barriers that they're experiencing for their kids. Um, my grandparents' first language was Spanish. And when they were raising their kids, there was a lot of pressure at that time to not speak Spanish to them. And so then my parents, well, they spoke it in the home. Once they got to school, then uh, they completely lost any Spanish. Well, I'm sure they still had to understand their parents. And so there was some there, Um, but didn't speak it to my generation at all. And I think that is uh, the same experience as my husband and a lot of people who we didn't even, you know, our our parents didn't immigrate, but still, in the southwestern part of the United States, Spanish was the primary language that was still being spoken in the home, um, and and then there there was a big push in schools for assimilation. Um, so I can look back on your experience and say, oh, I wish that I had Spanish because it makes me feel so much less. Uh, Hispanic. (laughs) Yeah, it is
2: really encouraging to hear this because I still have time. We still have time to teach our kids to speak Spanish. Like they are still little. Um, At the same time, we feel pressure even from our own culture and our Mm -hmm. own friends and our own family sometimes when my kids don't speak Spanish Mm -hmm. because they feel like we are not we are not doing, I mean, uh, we admit that we are not doing a good job at teaching Spanish, is just hard. And um, they, when we speak English or uh, to them or they cannot communicate very well, they know a little bit, but they are not fluent. They, they cannot really hold a whole conversation. They actually, we get criticized or even mm-hmm. kind of like, you lived in the DR in the Dominican Republic for that long and now you just want to speak English. Mm-hmm. So um, it does really... Uh, uh, make an impact in the in in your identity, as I said,
1: yeah, yeah. so you have the pressure from both worlds mm-hmm. from your family and in the Dominican Republic, being able to connect with them and your children, being able to speak with family there, but then also the pressure of assimilation here and wanting to take down those barriers that you guys have experienced um being the ones who immigrated for your the first generation after you. In that same
2: I, I idea of um, speaking the language, uh, something special happened in our community group is that there is a couple that they are um, from here, they are white, and they actually, when we met them, they spoke to us in Spanish. They learned Spanish in Spain, so we are able to speak Spanish to each other. They write notes to us, and they we test, and we communicate in Spanish, and just that made a connection in, in, the, in, in us as a community because um, it is really um, a blessing when you are able to communicate in your, in your same language. So I think also the community group at, in Bridgetown has, has made a difference even in that part. It might, be, it, might, it might feel as small or not as important, but for us, it, it really means a lot.
0: So I, I think something that, that helps me to um, create a framework ar- around this and about accept- acceptance of others and other cultures is it's pretty much like I, I think what you, what you said initially earlier about our stories. And I think a story is, a story is the one thing that we have in common. Every, everybody has one. So, what what is that that brings brings us together, and it, it is it can be just where you're come from, where you're coming from, or um, and this makes me think of I don't know if you have ever heard of of, of the hero's journey uh, mm-hmm. idea. Uh, there is uh, the 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 hero's home where he feels comfortable, and he's called to action he he receives a calling. And then, or a mission or a a, a call to adventure, then he goes into the unknown. And that's what, this is all for me. I mean, I think that when we we started this adventure, um, I didn't, the first thought I I had was not, oh my gosh, uh, my language or uh, I didn't, I was not thinking about that. That was not the idea. The idea was not coming here to struggle about with culture or any of that. I was not part of the plan, but it was just part of the um the journey where yes, you know, I mean I have a past and I have an origin. And um it is that when you come to a group of people and then you you have the opportunity to share what, what is your origin. Mm-hmm. But you're so you're, you're still in part of your journey. And I think when we come all together, we, we are all part of that journey. Mm-hmm. And that's the common denominator there. And, and, and in that point, I don't, I'm not thinking about culture. I'm not thinking about any of that. But it is important because it's, whatever it, that is, it makes you, you. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I think that's a, a God's gift. Um, I, I think that that's a, a blessing. And where like 10 years ago or 12 years ago, I didn't see it like that. I see it, I saw it as a limitant like, oh no, I have to hide this because, you know, I felt I will, uh, that might be uh, an obstacle for me. Uh, where, whereas it was actually a. A po- like it was actually a gift. It was a, a, a power. It was yeah. something that was given to me and I was not taken care of. And I, I didn't recognize it as something special. I recognized it as something that was actually um, to be embarrassed of. Mm. Um, so, so now understanding that from a point of view of a, we all have a story. Mm-hmm. And that story is a gift. Yeah. That origin is a gift.
1: That's a great analogy. And it makes me think about, I actually really love the hero's journey, Um, that along the hero's journey, there's transformation. And at the end, the hero is not the same person that he was at the beginning. And uh, I think that ties in so well also with um, the fact that we're being transformed through our journey. And we get to decide whether that transformation is intentional or unintentional because we're always being formed
0: and and I love that you're bringing that up because it is there where we are now we are in that process of being transformed and even um, even talking about culture is encouraging to that Bridgetown is taking the the time and the space to do this because uh, it's so encouraging that we can talk about these things
1: Yes, that is the heart behind these podcasts and this series is just to hear these stories. Um, So thank you both so much for sharing with us.
0: Thank you for listening. To learn more about Hispanic heritage, Oregon's racist past, and Bridgetown's vision for the future, visit Justice.